Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host for the next few moments, and I'm so thankful that you are here today. Today is no ordinary day. Today is a day where we explore the words within the words, and we strengthen the threefold cord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity in our lives. We strengthen our sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. The teacher in me is really excited about uh, this new series that we're doing. We're going to go through my book, chapter by chapter. Although I don't call them chapters, I call them practices. Because everything in our life that has any grand effect requires some practice. And so I just couldn't help myself when I was writing Overcoming Hurtful Words because I thought, you know what? Gaining emotional health and becoming whole most definitely requires practice. We have to practice new, healthy ways of doing things. And we have to take that really hard journey of rewiring our brains. We call that neuroplasticity, which is wonderful because our brain can actually rewire itself. We just have to put certain practices into place and then have some tools in our emotional toolbox that help us do that on a daily basis. But the great news is that we can actually let go of old, negative, hurtful narratives and labels and begin rewriting our story. Hence, living into a beautiful new narrative. It's what guides me every day and what makes me get up in the morning and want to study and research and help others. And by the way, today is World Mental Health Day. So I've been very busy today with my clients and now uh, speaking to you. So let's increase our mental health. What do you say? I think it's time. Well, last week we went into practice one, Guard Your Heart. And this is lining up with our online book club as well over on Facebook. So you can just go to Janelle Rarden Book Club on Facebook and you should be able to pull up Um, and be part of our group there. And we're going to be going through the book a little bit faster than we are here on the podcast, but um, it's just all going to lead us into a deeper understanding of how to be whole in our life. Well, I forgot to go over the Overcoming Hurtful Words pledge last week. So I wanted to take the time to read that. I really encourage you uh, at the beginning of the book to take this pledge It is in our small group study guide. If you're doing this with a small group or a Bible study or a book club, uh, that everyone take this pledge, take it seriously, 
and sign it. Something happens in our brain when we sign a contract or when we sign a pledge and we take a vow. So today it reads, I pledge that I am ready, willing, and able to commit to this heart lift journey. I know it will require honesty, hard work, and a big dose of humility. When the going gets tough, I will remember that God, the author and finisher of my faith, is with me, even if, at times, I feel as though I am all alone. His silence is not his neglect. He knows the perfect time, has the perfect plan, and is never late. He will help me move through this scary place of pain and into the beautiful sacred space of peace so that I can live, love, and laugh again. When I need help, I will ask God for help. When I want to isolate myself and hide away, I will instead seek the company of wise women who will walk beside me. When I need courage, I will whisper my brave three-word prayer, God, help me. Amen. Signed on this day of this month and this year. That's our pledge. So we move into practice two this week. Welcome God into the wise. Practice one is guard my heart. Practice two is welcome God into the wise. The intention of practice two I will overcome hurtful words by welcoming God into my wise. We can even expand this beyond the scope of hurtful words and put into this, I will overcome difficult circumstances. I will overcome scary health diagnosis. I will overcome decades of family grievances. I will overcome shaming behavior by welcoming God into my wise. Sue Monk Kidd, a, a beautiful writer, says, I don't hold to the idea that God causes suffering in crisis. I just know that those things come along and God uses them. We think life should be a nice, clean, ascending line. But inevitably, something wanders onto the scene and creates Havoc with the nice way we've arranged life to fall in place. Mm. Without a doubt, without a doubt, the perplexing pain of a crushed heart or difficult circumstances or you fill in your blank. When that type of pain comes in, the heart craves isolation. It typically wants to close in on itself, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but I, I want to sit alone in a room, lights out, covers over the head. Oh, but that's a dangerous space for me. Isolation can be dangerous because darkness looms in that area. When we close the blinds of our world in this manner, we open ourselves to an even greater sadness that can lead into the rubble of depression, self-loathing, and the perilous, perilous pit of self-pity. Oh my goodness. Without a doubt, and please, please hear my heart here. We must welcome God 
into the aching abyss of our pain. We want to ask why, why, why is this happening to me? Why? But I have found out through many, many of these dark passages in my own experience that if I don't welcome God in, I'm going to stay in the dark. I need to welcome him in so that he can bring light to a dark place. God can handle anything we ask him. He handles our anger, our pain, our frustration because he understands and he will help us handle it. We can't do it alone. We cannot heal alone. Healing happens within community. That is a proven, proven fact. Healing happens in community. We need each other. We are better together and we need each other. Sometimes we can only manage a windless whisper prayer like our three-word prayer, God help me, or four if we want to be nice, God please help me. But there is more power in those words than you can ever imagine. Please just take a pause here. God, help me. Mm, Our brave three-word prayer. I was with a client today, and she said the most poignant, poignant thing. She said, I have no more words. I don't have any words. At the beginning of my trial, I could read my Bible, I could pray, but as the trial got more difficult and lasted longer and is continuing to persist, I came to the place where I knew in my head the Bible was true, I have faith, but I just didn't have any more words. And I have to tell you, I've been there. Maybe you're there right this minute where you have no more words. The pain's too deep. The circumstances are too hard. The challenge has been going on a long time. And as I said to her, in all grace, with all candor, and with all love, that's a good place to be. It's because we come to the end of ourself And we get to the beginning of God. Those are the words of one of my favorite theologians, F.B. Meyer. So I just want you to take a moment right now. Now, if you're driving, do not do this. Just say these words with your eyes wide open. But open your hands or clench them onto the wheel of the car. Maybe open one palm up. Be ready to receive your blessing from a God who sees and loves you very much. It might not feel like God sees you, but please trust me. I am asking a lot here. As a woman who's been where you are, trust me. I know God sees, he hears you, and he will never, ever leave you or forsake you, even when it might feel like it. 
pray this little prayer with me? God, please be with me. This pain is too much to bear. God, please be with me. It's a little haiku I created in my difficult period. And when I had no words left, I crafted just this little haiku prayer. God, please be with me. This pain is too much to bear. God, please be with me. And I spoke it over and over and over and over. As I write and welcome God into the wise in practice two, you can read it for yourself. I'm on page 28 right now, reading through 29, 30, 31. I share my story, and it's always my hope that my story informs your story because we all have a story. But I write a story about um, a woman named Angela and I who had disagreed and had another confrontation. She was a female leader in my church, and we just seemed to um, persistently come up against some obstacles in our, our relationship. And this was just yet another agitating confrontation, and it really sent my mind reeling. This time, it was a, what I come to call a tipping point, a spiritual tipping point. It was a very low point in my life. So there was just something about Angela's commanding presence that intimidated me. And I'm a strong woman. So when I look back on this, I get so frustrated with myself. But I guess this is where we grow, right? We have to grow. We have to face things that are uncomfortable and things that we have to wrestle with. And so when I read the story now, because it's such a part of my history of hurts and I've made peace with it, I get so frustrated because I think, goodness, I would handle this so differently today. But at the time, I was so intimidated by this woman. And boy, within seconds of our confrontation, boom, tears flowed and my heart was in panic mode. She said some hurtful words that now when I look back, I would never let her speak those words over me. I would have said, oh, you need to stop because I have value, worth, and dignity, Angela. And when you can take a deep breath and I can take a deep breath and we can sit and have a mature conversation in a peaceful manner, even if a mediator has to be present, then we'll have this conversation. But you need to stop speaking these hurtful words over me. That's what I would have said now. But then I didn't have the tools. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do now. All I did is I had one thought. Why is this happening to me? You've been there, right? There was something about her stoic, stern presence that was so reminiscent of the Catholic nuns of my childhood. The shame-filled, hurtful words she spoke over me shut me down. I'd wanted to respond but felt emotionally paralyzed. I couldn't even speak. My soul literally trembled. I felt as if a sudden shift in the fault lines of my heart was happening. I was most definitely in the middle of an emotional earthquake. And at that moment, a heart rift was born. Now let's go back to the glossary. If you have your book, in the glossary on page uh, Roman numeral 10, 11, uh, 13, a heart rift is a deep wound that's caused by heartbreaking words from close, trusted friends and family members. 
Now, we're enlarging our conversation now to go beyond hurtful words and actions to perhaps a extenuating difficult circumstance or, um, (coughs) excuse me, decade-long grievance with uh, your family. But at some point, a heart rift was born. So after this confrontation with Angela, I was traveling home and I had to go over a very long bridge. And uh, midway through the bridge crossing, oh boy, negative thoughts just washed over my mind. I was beating myself up so badly. But one big thought seemed to yell the loudest, just drive off the bridge. Would anyone really care? I make no excuses. I can't hide the fact that I was deeply wounded by key people in my church, leaders who I thought controlled whether I had a voice in my church, and Angela was one of them. After years of subtle, oppressive, unhealthy attempts at silencing my voice and my ministry, this pain had just taken its toll. As I said, it was a spiritual tipping point. I couldn't take any more. My deepest desire was to be in a community where my gifts could be used to help other people. I didn't necessarily want a fairy tale ending where everyone rallies around the campfire, makes s'mores and sings kumbaya, but I sure did want my church relationships, including the one with Angela, to work. And more than anything else, I wanted people to treat each other better. And the fact that we weren't treating each other in a mature manner with healthy behaviors and healthy communication skills, it just, it broke my heart. I sincerely believe, and even to this day, I believe that a church, a community of faith is supposed to be the safest of all safe places. And I expand that today, even since writing Overcoming Hurtful Words. This is true for our family. More importantly, a family ought to be the safest place on earth. That safe space where we can just be. We'll feel at ease. We feel comfortable in our skin. It's where mistakes are made. It's where confrontations happen. It's where conflict happens. But we manage it well because we are coming from a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. So we have to learn these, and to learn them in childhood is imperative. Mamas, daddies, hear me, please hear me. Grandma, grandpa, uncles, aunts, let's commit to becoming our healthiest individual selves so that we can be individually individually healthy, and ultimately corporately happy within our families, our churches, and our everywhere in our spheres of influence. Now, this doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means there's a haven in which hearts can rest. But on this journey across the bridge and with Angela, this spiritual tipping point in my life, God had something else in mind. I, I really believe he actually wanted me to walk through this difficult space on my journey so that I could help you. And and now looking back, I'm grateful that I can help you now perhaps develop a healthy sense of self and all of this healthiness so that you will have a better life, a richer life. 
So all I knew at that one moment when I was driving over the bridge and I had that really scary, sad thought was I know I just can't put on my well-trained smile anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't hide behind a facade. So with tears streaming down my face, I finally made it to the other side of the bridge. Oh, it was a long two-minute crossing. But as I uh, rounded the corner of the exit coming home, I pulled over the car. I just pulled over the car and I prayed, God, what on earth is happening here? Why is this relationship hitting me so hard? Part of me just wants to die. Please help me understand the whys of this circumstance, or better yet, the how to keep moving forward. Why, oh why, is this woman who calls herself my friend treating me so harshly? The worst part is how it's all hidden behind that facade of a well-groomed smile. I know there's something for me to learn through all this. And I whispered those three words, God help me. And he did. I subtly and powerfully heard him whisper. And I can't, this doesn't happen often, but I heard him say, good. I'm glad you're really done. I don't want you to listen to those lies. The words that Angela spoke over over you are not true. They're from the father of lies who wants to destroy you. Breathe. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. You're my daughter. Listen to me. As I welcomed God into that, a clear choice came into my mind. I can still, I can still remember that moment. I could listen to the lies that she spoke over me. I could listen to the lies of all the negative people inside my head, call it quits, drive off the bridge of life, or I could listen to the truth. I could build a bridge of hope and healing for myself and help other women do the same. There was no in-between here. It was an either or. Either I do this or I do that. So I pulled my car over, like I said, and I spoke those words, God, just part of me wants to die. And he said, yes, part of you needs to die, Janelle, and that would be your unhealthy, people-pleasing, approval-addicted, applause-hungry self needs to die so that your God-created identity and capacity can flourish. What happened next surprised me. Welcoming God into my wise changed everything. It created an entirely different perspective and framework Now I call that emotional shift a heart shift because at that specific moment inside my car, that heart shift was that moment where my heart awakened to truth, the truth about God, the truth about myself, and the truth about others. The entire situation had nothing to do with Angela and everything to do with me. The heart shift came when I realized it wasn't Angela who needed to change. I needed to change. I needed to accept my God-breathed value, worth, and dignity to live worthy of my calling. I needed to accept my responsibility in the unhealthy nature of our relationship. What role did I play in all of this? Relationships are rarely one-sided. 
At the end of that day, I knew I couldn't change, fix Angela. No way. But I could help myself. I could change myself. Now, of course, hear me here. My acknowledging this did not in any way let Angela off the hook for her unhealthy behavior. But realizing she was responsible for herself released me to focus my energy on what was most important. Oh, please hear this. I am responsible only for my own actions, behaviors, and words. I must commit to becoming healthy and whole, and that commitment is not dependent on anyone but myself. First, I had to let go of the hurts Angela had caused me so I could move on. So I'm going to close this out with a few thoughts. One is from renowned Christian author, Lewis Smeads, who is just a master author about forgiveness. He writes, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Forgiving does not erase the bitter past. A healed memory is not a deleted memory. Instead, forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember. We change the memory of our past into a hope for our future. You will know that forgiveness has begun. Mm. When you recall those who hurt you and feel the power to wish them well. As hard as this truth was to swallow, I had to admit, I'd allowed Angela and many people before her to take control in my life. For the first time, I realized this negative, unhealthy behavior in me had to stop. I had to stop allowing people to be bigger and more powerful in my life than God. I had to stop giving people permission to make decisions for me, to tell me what I should and shouldn't be. Somewhere in the story of my life, I had given that pen, my pen, to other people. And in return, I had lost my authentic voice, my God-given vision, and sadly, my promised victory. When we do this, the psalm says that we, when we allow other people to control our life, if we're people-pleasing then human opinion is going to disable us. So in my darkest hour, I saw the greatest light. And that was a miraculous moment in my life. My heart shift has led me here to you. And I'm so, so, so grateful. So I want you to keep in mind, this is coming from Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Made Simple, a tremendously helpful book, uh, 10 Strategies for Managing Anxiety, Depression, Anger, Panic, and Worry. And it's by Seth Gillihan, Dr. Gillihan. It says to keep in mind that identifying thoughts takes practice. While we can get better at it quickly, there is always room to grow in seeing what our minds are up to. So sometimes our mind can play some pretty crazy tricks on us, can I? Can't it, I'm sorry. So our thoughts can have even more power than we want them to have as well. So sometimes we have to be able to identify these negative automatic thoughts. 
because we're not really sure why they're upsetting us. So as I look back on my story with Angela, I can apply the Heartlift method, which is to reflect, reframe, and reauthor that situation, rewind it, reset it, and go, my unhealthy sense of self, because at that time in my life, I based my identity on what other people thought of me, on what other people applauded me for. I needed their approval. I needed their affirmation. I allowed people to think for me. And so all of that is rooted in my sense of self, which some call your identity, self-esteem. It's called many different things, but for our conversation today, we're calling it a sense of self. I had a false self. I had allowed people for way too long in my life to tell me what to think and who to be and how to be it. I wish it wasn't true, but it's so true. So maybe you're doing the same thing today. I don't know. But I want you to take in these words, to know your God-breathed purpose, potential, capacity, please hop on over to JanelleRairden.com, go to resources, the Heartlift Method, and go to phase one reflect, and you will find the Genesis 2-7 audio meditation. It's also uh, a PDF you can print out. Please put some headphones on, play that meditative exercise over and over. And you've heard me say this before, and I'm just going to say it again, because I have to even put it on every now and then to remind myself that Janelle, you can think for yourself. You are a strong woman. God has poured and breathed his life into you. You got this. You've got value. You've got worth. You've got dignity. Now walk in it. Live in it. So please hop on over to my website, listen to the meditative exercise all by yourself with some headphones on, and let the words of that meditative exercise soak into you. Let the rewiring of your brain begin. Start to walk in your value, your worth, and your dignity. Wherever you are today in a negative situation, negative narratives, unhealthy words, actions, hard circumstance, take a few beautiful moments to listen to those words spoken over you as if God was speaking them directly over you and remember that he breathed his life into you, his virtue, his character. And his desire uh, for you is so good. It's so good he doesn't want you to stay trapped or stuck in a negative narrative any longer. He wants you to begin writing your new story, your new narrative. Pick up your pen. Today's the day. It's been a delight to be with you today. I can't wait to get into practice three next week. Please be sure to hop over also to our online book club. Janelle Reardon Book Club, as tomorrow we will be uh, talking a little bit more about practice three and four. And uh, you're not going to want to miss it. So I'll see you next week. 
Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.